it? I am Samantha Herbst and unfortunately Charlene will not be joining us today but as always we are joined by the very lovely Samantha Steele, renowned parenting journalist and rock star mom. Sam is here to take my hand and yours, whoever you may be, and guide you in this week's discussion. Sam, welcome. What are we talking about this week? Hey, Sam. Nice to be here again. So for many children, especially those whose parents are working or might be divorced or struggling with mental health issues, they've got one constant person in their lives, and that person is their nanny feeding them, dressing them, and more importantly than just doing the physical stuff is also the emotional the emotional part, looking after them and comforting them. In a very tumultuous and scary world, for many households, a nanny is the one consistent figure that becomes that uh, third leg or third wheel, or in some cases, the third parent even, mm. um, just dependably, consistently, emotionally there and present. As we've explored on the podcast, a nanny's relationship with both you and your child is more than just a trans- transactional um, one-to-one relationship. It's, it's one that's ribboned with complexity. Mm. It needs to be treated professionally, as we discussed in our UIF episode, but it's also far more than just a money-exchanging-hands transactional relationship. It's, it's very emotional. Mm. And you need to look at it from your child's point of view as well, is that a nanny is more than just someone to change a nappy. You know, if your child alone with a nanny for most of the day, which is the case in a lot of South Africa where the parents are working full days. A nanny can spend up to eight hours or more with a child a day. So they become a very, very important person with treating your child nicely, but also for helping your child understand how the world works and for forming an emotional connection and becoming that dependable person when when as the parents we can't always be there Mm. well once again you've you've rallied a strong group of professionals who will guide our understanding of of this complex issue you're talking about attachment there are there are a lot of ways we can look at the parent nanny child dynamic because it is so complex and there's there's just different ways that you can have a look at it but you've chosen to center your research around attachment theory yes i mean so for me i guess the the interest is that these early relationships really become like the building blocks of how your child's personality grows for the rest of their life. One clinical psychologist I I interviewed said, uh, put it very nicely, he said, these relationships build the internal architecture of your child's personality. And attachment theory and understanding how your nanny forms part of that big picture is a really crucial part of understanding the role they play, how important they are, and also your role in that dynamic. So I just I just find that absolutely fascinating. And I've got some good psychologists in my life that I could speak to about it, who had some really interesting insights about um, raising children, especially in the South African context. So one of the experts I interviewed is actually a friend of mine, Alexa Young. We've been friends for many years, and now we're both moms, working moms. And she is a clinical psychologist doing her PhD on attachment theory and how that fits in, you know, with nannies and understanding how attachment theory forms the, the structure of, of your, your child's understanding of the world. So I spent a bit of time with her. I had a really lovely chat with her about understanding attachment theory and how this fits into this complex relationship between a nanny child and a parent. Well, let's hear what Alexa had to say about, about that, about what attachment theory actually is. So um, I'll just give you the very basic understanding of what attachment theory is. 
But it's the idea that from when we're very, very little, you know, even before you, that we start to internalize the interactions we have with our primary caregivers. So that's the main people that look after us. And it's almost like we download those interactions into our brain and we create a bit of a model that says, oh, this is how relationships look. And then we carry that model forward into our teenage and adult years. Anybody can be a primary caregiver. And what the what attachment theory tells us is that you have many different kinds of attachment relationships. And when you're little, you typically have one primary one, and then you get a secondary and a tertiary, and you can have lots of relationships. So nannies are actually incredibly important because... If your experience is anything like ours, your nannies spend a huge chunk of time with your kids, right? I mean, I know for myself, my nanny is with my kids eight hours a day. And so your kids are forming a relationship with your nanny just because your nanny is the one who is feeding them, taking care of them, responding to them when they cry, responding to them when they hurt themselves, they're putting them to sleep, they're doing all that important stuff that any caretaker would do. And so they are forming an attachment relationship to your nanny. So what attachment theory says more specifically is that in order to have a good, safe attachment, you need to have a caregiver who is sensitive to your feelings and who responds to you in a consistent way. And that means sort of the same kind of caring way again and again and again. Obviously, everybody messes up and we all get tired and we get cranky. And that's okay as long as most of the experiences are consistent and good. And that's what you want from your nanny. You want your child to feel safe. You want them to have a good attachment and to feel that your nanny is a safe person. Sam, do you feel like your nanny fulfills this role? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, yeah? Do it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And I feel like that's been one of the great decisions that I regularly pat myself on the back about was, I mean, our nanny was initially our domestic worker and she bonded with my baby like phenomenally well. Like she was the only person when she would come work for us on a Tuesday, I would leave Maya with her and then go to the shops, which I never did. Which is so hard to do as a first time mom. It's so hard to do. Leave your child with anybody. It's impossible. And the guilt, I mean, oh my gosh, the parent guilt. So I do, I feel like, I mean, I work part-time, so I'm quite around, um, which is a very big blessing. But definitely she is so kind. She and my child are like BFFs. They run around and play together and jump in the trampoline. And Precious, now that I'm very heavily pregnant, Precious has really taken on some of the physical roles that I can't really do at the moment, like jumping on a trampoline for hours Mm. at a time with a (laughs) two-year-old. So yeah, I do feel like she's really fulfilled that role and that Maya's comfortable with her and settles with her and soothes with her, which is great. I've got to say, you and I are privileged in the same way that I also work from home. And I think a lot of, thankfully, even though it is difficult, a lot of moms are working from home now. So we are around, which makes it easier. I have to say, I I I witness and I have it. I'm I'm I mean I'm not hyper you know aware of of what my nanny does with my baby all day long, but witnessing how easily and lovingly she gets him to sleep, which nobody else in my life is able to do. It's me or it's it's Dixie our nanny, and it's it's just incredible to watch that that bond. And I'm very lucky that there is somebody else fulfilling that role. I'd I'd like to bring in a voice note from. Cape Town-based nanny Yolanda. 
uh, which you got for us, Sam, Yolanda seems to have a very mature understanding of her professional role in the home. We, we speak about, on this podcast, we've been speaking a lot about how there is a professional relationship, but also a very personal and emotional relationship. And I think Yolanda seems to have cracked that code. Hi, my name is Yolanda Temptation Chombo. I'm a Cape Town-based nanny. I've worked for the family that I that I am with for the past five years now. I started looking after the kids when the first one was born, when he was only 10 days old. He'll be turning five years in January. So my relationship with the parents is a great one because we always sit down and talk and we always go back to talking about kids like every two weeks we sit down and see what is working for the kids the boundaries any discipline activities so what i noticed with the when you work is a can i call myself a day mom because the mom is mostly working is that you have to respect each other's space and time if you see uh, with the kids like I do when she's home with the kids and she's reading books or playing games with them, I do not interfere with what she is doing because it's time for her to bond with her kids in the afternoon when she finishes work. And mostly when the kids run to me, I always cuddle them, hug them because I spend the whole, most of the day with them which makes it more me and me and them more our relationship more special and i used to put these kids to sleep from birth so i can say that i have a special relationship with those children thank you that mutual respect seems to be key and it's something that i'm privileged enough to be experiencing now and it just seems so nice sam when things do go swimmingly but a good and positive attachment between nanny and child, while it's something that we are aiming for and it's something that we hope for, it can be so difficult for moms at the same time, right? It's, it's a small case of when feelings get in the way of facts. Somebody else is maybe doing your job better than what you think you are doing. <laughs> so true, Sam. And I mean, I think Yolanda put it so beautifully with how respectful she is of the mom's boundaries and trying to introduce the mom into into the plane, into the space. But the nannies do often form, which is good, you want that, a very, very close relationship with the kids. But that does make some parents jealous. Mm. And I think that's where the tricky thing comes in, where doing your job really well can have a negative impact for some nannies. Is that something that you've experienced, Sam? I must say, I definitely had moments of jealousy with my nanny, especially when I went from my maternity leave to working again. And then when my toddler learned how to talk, she only knew mama. And so Precious became one of the mamas, which I completely understand, but it did give me a little bit of heartache at the time. We've now transitioned Precious from mama to auntie, which is a much better fit for my my feelings (laughs) of inadequacy. But it isn't that that's hard to deal with because you know you want your kid to like your nanny, right? Like you want them to get on well. But it is hard to watch someone bond really, really well with your kid and you feel like 
I want all the special moments with my child. <laughs> I've got to say, so my eldest, Elijah, went to a daycare. I never hired a nanny at the get-go. I had a daycare 100 metres away from my work, so that, that was ideal. I popped in and out during lunchtime to breastfeed and it worked nicely for me in the beginning. And one thing I felt for sure, leaving my baby for most of the day at, in someone else's care was resent. I felt a lot of resentment that somebody else was getting the best part of his day and I was getting nightmare hour. I was getting suicide hour, bed, dinner, bath and bedtime. And then he slept and then I had to kind of rush him the next morning to, to drop him off and have someone else then experience the, the happier parts of his day. I was the 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 demon, the, the gremlin that, that would rush him and that 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 did all the you have to's, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that, and the person that said no. And that was difficult for me. Second time around with uh, Noah, I'm feeling not jealous, but sometimes I do feel inadequate that somebody else knows about my child's movements in the day better than what I do. And that was a tough kind of bridge to move over. And I had to move over it fairly quickly. And I, I think I've come to a nice equilibrium, especially being at home. It does make it easier. But yeah, I definitely felt that sense of inadequacy. And you did us a, a solid and spoke to counseling psychologist Nicole Kanan to get her professional take on how we can navigate feelings of jealousy or, and or inadequacy as moms. Yes, this is the other side of the coin um, of these close relationships. So Nicole is the chairperson of, I'm actually not sure how to pronounce this, Sam, so I'm just going to wing it, of Game SA, so it's G-A-I-M-H, which is the Gauteng Association for Infant Mental Health. And within her practice, she's got a special interest in working with infants in their first 1,000 days, which has been reiterated again and again as being a really, really crucial development period for, for the small humans in our lives. She's got some really great insights. And uh, one point that she made that I think was really important that we often forget is that infants can have more than one primary caregiver. I mean, there's that saying, it takes a village, and that's that's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be mom alone with a baby all day going nuts. <laughs> there's supposed <laughs> yeah. to be more help than that. Moms are supposed to be able to go to the toilet. So having more than one primary caregiver and more than one attachment figure uh, is actually a really good thing, and it's completely normal. So let's hear how what Nicole has to say about navigating the jealousy and inadequacy and what she has to say about fostering a good relationship in those first thousand days. Look, I think, I think for parents, it's really about just acknowledging that, in fact, for the sake of your child, that relationship is key. But, but here's the most important part. One attachment figure doesn't take away from another. So in the same way as because you're close to your dad, it isn't, doesn't reflect the fact that you aren't close to your mom. And, and I also think that there is something about a parent that no one can replace, not a granny, not a nanny. You know, there's something very special and unique about that relationship. So in some ways, I think moms have to hold on to that um, and create other special times where they can in the evenings and weekends with their children. But it is about recognizing that if you aren't, as, I mean, we have to work. There are financial and practical responsibilities mm -hmm. that we have. You want someone who is going to be good for your child. 
And I think that parents recognize the importance of stimulation and you have all these stimulation classes and people are sending nannies, but they don't always recognize, as you say, the importance of the emotional connection. And it is important. You know, if you want your child to be kind of spending time in the day with someone who, if they're sad, they can go to. If they're scared, they can go to. And they know that they can be comforted. What we know is one of the most important things psychologically is um, that you have an experience of being calmed down when you are distressed. And, and, and I, can't, I can't kind of emphasize enough how important it is to have that experience. And we know that we call it kind of secure attachment, if you want to use the kind of lingo. Children that are securely attached have an experience of when they need help, they can turn to a caregiver and that person is going to be open and available and, and able to soothe and calm that distress. So that's the kind of first piece. And the second piece, I think, is, is for caregivers to sometimes recognize where a child needs to be pushed a little bit and help towards independence. And both those two sides of the same coin promote independence, um, promote resilience, self-esteem. In other words, what you want as a caregiver, and I'm, again, I'm, overly, I'm oversimplifying, but what you want is, is to have a sense of when does, when, when does my child need me to comfort and soothe and nurture? And when does my child need me to help them to see that they can manage more than they think they can? And it's that balance, you know, um, it's the not helicopter parenting and it's the not leaving your child to manage things that they're just not equipped to manage. And I think, I think that those, that's, whilst I, I know I'm so oversimplifying and there are many aspects, but I think that, that those are in some ways two of the most important aspects of caregivers. And I think that it applies from infancy, you know, it's, it's kind of knowing, hang on, my baby's crying. I need to calm and soothe and comfort them. Um, because that's how my baby learns that they can seek out help when, you know, when, when needed. And sometimes I might leave my baby for a second or two. It's a niggly. I'm not going to jump in just yet. And it's the same concept when you've got a five-year-old that's needing, you know, needing to know, hang on, they just fell off the slide, but I know they can manage this. I'm going to see how they go. Or hang on, my child had a really rough day at school and they need me to comfort and talk to. And, and what we know is that Every time your child has these kinds of experiences, you're actually building the neural pathways in the brain that then help that child use those skills in other circumstances as they, as they grow up. So I love what Nicole says about the importance of a caregiver in our children's lives. I mean, like it or not, learning to self-regulate which I also sometimes need to do, <laughs> learning to self-regulate and to trust that someone has um, our children's back in those first thousand days, that it's crucial during that time, as she says. And the reality is, especially for working moms, we are not always there, right? And at the same time as well, even if we are always there, we are taking on their emotional regulation work all the time. So when we do have a nanny, that is that su support to share the load of that emotional regulation work. So jealousy is here unfounded. It might be a very natural emotion that we do feel. And I think as moms, we need to tackle that. But at the end of the day, it is something we should actually be exceedingly grateful for when someone can, someone else can be there other than the parents. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree, Sam, like, Co-regulation is something I'm reading about more and more in the, the like uh, gentle parenting world on Instagram. It's very much my vibe, gentle parenting. Yes, it's a hot topic at the moment and it makes a lot of sense when you do look into it. It's it's practical and logical way 
to parents, I think a, a lot of uh, us can stand to look more into it for sure. We at the Great Equalizer have definitely looked into it. And yeah, it's uh, what what were you going to say about that in, in, with regards to nannies? Co-regulation is such an important skill to, to teach your kids and to do with them and to be gentle with them. And having a nanny who has the same kind of ability to help your child regulate, like you can't be there all the time. It's just not realistic. Like even stay-at-home moms have got to go get groceries. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not possible to be there for your child every the whole day, every day. You need you need child to have other emotional support structures. Mm. And that's where the nanny becomes so important. You know, if you do have a nanny, it becomes very important that they're also able to emotionally support your child. What Nicole says, yeah, is uh, it convinces me that in case I already didn't know, my nanny is the real MVP in my home. But what about some practical tips for nannies? As a mom, I know how challenging my own children can be. It's a, it's a 24-7 job. It's a lot. I, I often say to my nanny. It's exhausting. Yeah. If you need five minutes, just holler at me. I'm working from home. Like, I can give you five. Most nannies, anyone that I know, to be honest, have been so passionate about the children that they care for. But assuming that they do need some help in the attachment department, I'm wondering, there must be some nannies out there that do struggle to bond with the child, especially in the, at the get-go? I'm sure there are seven. I mean, I think I just wanted to, to comment on what you said earlier about um, the emotional, like needing an emotional break. Like my toddler has now started to have tantrums and they are draining for me. Like I feel like I am wrung out like a sponge at the end of it. And it is important to support your, your nanny emotionally with that stuff because, I mean, dealing with someone else's kid's tantrums, I can't even imagine how awful that must be. <laughs> <laughs> So being supportive to your nanny as well as to your child, I think, is is part of this, like, you almost become your own community, right, in, in the household where, where you're supporting each other through parenting. Yeah, you, you're, uh, you're your own mini village, yeah. So, Sam, Nicole, yeah. Nicole had some advice, right, for both nannies and parents, to be honest, because it's sometimes hard for us, even as moms, to attach to our children at first. She had some guidelines, right? Yes, and I mean, fostering a good attachment is, it's a hard thing to do. It's an important thing to do, but it's not always like intuitive, I guess, especially when you're trying to navigate like a complicated relationship with a parent as well. And Nicole is just a wealth of information. She's got some really great advice on how to foster that like healthy attachment. I would say that it's the same as forming, as, as anyone who wants to form a relationship with a child is if you can think about a child as an individual, as a person, rather than just baby. I think often we come into caregiving and it's like, I know what I'm doing and this is a baby. I'm just going to do my thing. I think very often if, if, you're in, if you come into a situation and your agenda is how do I get to know this child? How do I learn what are their signs that they're getting a bit upset? How do I learn the ways in which this child likes to get calm, you know, calms down. How do I, and I think that applies as much with an infant as it does with a four-year-old. How do I, what games does this child like to play? What, what upsets them? How do they, if they can come in with an open attitude like that, that is, that's the way to foster any kind of real relationship, you know, and children are incredibly aware of someone that has an interest in them, as opposed to someone who just needs them to do something. And I think often that is the difference between the fostering of a real, genuine, loving relationship and this is just a job, you know. And they may, you may often find that if you're just coming in and your agenda is I've got to get the child to eat, sleep, bath, but you don't get to know who that child is, 
your job's going to be that much harder. So I, I would say as a kind of oversimplistic, you know, if I've got to say it in one line, it would be I want to get to know this child. And if you start with that as a kind of your premise, I think that's going to be much more helpful. There's a fascinating statistic that I love that talks about good parenting. And I, I would imagine it applies to nannies as well, where they say you only, for good enough parenting, you only have to get it right 30% of the time. How crazy is that? But here's the clincher. The rest is what they call rupture and repair. So I made a mistake. I didn't get it right, but then I repaired it. And then I, 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 you know, I left you too long. You were too hungry. Oh my gosh. You were screaming by the time I took you out the bath. But hang on. Then we sat down and maybe it took an hour, but I calmed you and I soothed you. That's what they call rupture repair, you know? And, and I think that rupture and repair, while a nanny is getting used to a child, getting to know is very, very important. And that the nannies can be allowed to make mistakes. They can be allowed to not just get it perfect, like you as a parent, but you want someone who's going to repair it with your child. Where the damaging, any kind of form of parenting or caregiving comes in is when you make a mistake and it's not repaired. And then it's rupture, rupture, rupture. And I think that's what creates mistrust and a lack of safety. And, you know, so so if, if nannies can just be invested, I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to make it up when I mess it up. You know, that's good enough. If you've got someone who's doing that, you're doing great with your nanny. Such amazing advice uh, for nannies as well as parents. But if there's a nanny that is looking after someone else's child out there, and and you think you have royally messed up here. She reiterates, Nicole reiterates here, how you can make mistakes. It's okay. As long as the child knows that you're invested in them as a person. And when it comes to childcare, I, I feel like you don't get a mulligan. You know, you don't think that you can make mistakes, which is probably why we're also hesitant as parents to hand our kids over to someone else. So. Yeah. Bottom line, if you want to secure a positive attachment with a child, be curious, take an interest in a child and be kind to yourself. Give yourself grace because this it's not a perfect journey. We can't get it right all the time. I think that's so true. And I think also like I really like the message about um, it's okay to make mistakes because I feel like when I became a mom, I feel like everything became, every single decision became like this high stakes decision. Like <laughs> everything I was yeah, and then and then you, you leave your child with her nanny. You're like, do they care as much as I care about what color panties she's wearing after she goes to the potty for the first time, or whatever random stuff you decide is really important. <laughs> yeah. But for me, that also speaks to like, um, well, we went through this on our first episode, but about trusting your gut when you hire a nanny, and nannies also for like building a relationship with the mom because, and the kid obviously because it's it's more than like it's not a kids aren't an easy job <laughs> and that relationship is so important and I know when my husband and I were interviewing we we're looking at potentially getting a and to a personal here to get a night nanny to assist with the twins that I've got joining our family soon yeah um, and my husband's a clinical psychologist and he has got quite a finely tuned gut to people and when we we're doing interviews he would often respond on a gut feeling like is this person going to uh, fit well with us which is a big part of, of being a nanny I think is fitting in with the family as well mm-hmm. and it just is so interesting to I feel like I'm rambling a bit now but I just feel like it's so interesting to, to think about how caring for the child as a person like I can see my nanny does that with Maya like she really is genuinely she finds Maya genuinely funny you know mm. and that's the kind of stuff you can't teach someone mm. and that like either you are 
either you've got that and you've got the connection or you don't. Mm. And if you do, I think it makes everything so much easier. Yeah, my nanny almost has a, a cheeky relationship with Noah, who's now 10 months. And <laughs> and they'll, you know, when Noah refuses a certain food, like he somehow doesn't like the broccoli hake mix that, that, I, that I've made him. And she'll <laughs> she'll sneak in some some fruit to kind of make it more palatable, and I'm just like, no, you can't do that. But she she's just like, he doesn't like it. Just leave him, you know. She's and it's 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 funny for me, like barring any kind of annoyance that that my child's not diversifying his palate. It's okay. He's your primary responsibility. Pleasing yeah. me isn't, which I like. I like that in a nanny. I like that she's attuned. She's responsive to his needs. Yeah, caregivers, I think, need need trust from us as parents, right? You can't yes. take it personally if you're a new nanny coming into a new home. But, you know, eventually the things take time. And, and as a mom, from the mom's perspective, you need to kind of hand over that trust. And I do. I try, well, I, I try my best. I'm like, I'm not the one that's with my child day in and day out. Yeah. My nanny is. So at the same time, I think um, my kids take take their cues off of me. We say this a lot in parenting. So if, I, if I'm trusting my nanny, if I've secured a great relationship with her as well, then it's easier for my children, I think. I would assume. So too. And I mean, like, feeling like you can trust your nanny to repair. And I feel like for nannies, where it must be scary to to be scared to make mistakes, I think. Mm. So as a nanny to know that it's not about being perfect all the time, but about like repairing the relationship if the child is upset, which let's face it, is definitely going to happen at some stage. <laughs> Sam, obviously things go wrong, like you've just said, and, and we've, but we've heard now that they can be rectified. What are the traits of, of a bad attachment? So when, when it's not a case of rapture repair, you've made mistakes and you'll you'll be repairing it. What happens if it goes like far off kilter, and it's a it's a bad attachment from the get get go? What's the worst case scenario here? I think I mean partly it's trusting your gut. So like you can see if I mean like if the person caring after your child doesn't like your child, you know, on some level, be attuned to that kind of stuff. But the biggest thing to watch is actually your child. I mean, if their behavior changes dramatically, that's that's a big key. If they've started to like wet the bed, which they never used to do, if they seem scared of the caretaker. Uh, with babies, I mean, unfortunately, it's super just hard to tell with babies. They're not very good communicators. Mm. So you have to look out for, for more physical markers of uh, harm. And, I mean, if you find the child is consistently unhappy, that's also like those are all warning signs you should take note of and be aware of and kind of trust your mommy gut about. Mm. Separation anxiety is like really normal but it is also it can be a sign that they haven't bonded with the person that you're separating them from i think if it's persistent you know there's gonna be there's gonna be days especially in the beginning where baby will want you i know baby will be playing happily with nanny and if i walk past if he sees me he's like i want that lady once i've cuddled (laughs) him or fed him or given him some kind of attention he'll happily go back to his nanny you know so 100%. and yeah. and when separation anxiety is at a high which i mean we're going to go through waves he's only 10 months but when it is at a high when it is peaking it only lasts a couple of days it's a lot like teething you know 
and no. and it's between me and his nanny that he'll that he'll really prefer to go to. The separation anxiety is more aggravated when it comes to other people. So I think I think you just need to you can't take it for granted that okay, yeah. the baby's crying. Separation anxiety is a very tricky one. It, the younger the child is, as you say, the the harder it is to tell. And it's normal. That's the other hard thing. It's like it's actually normal for them to, to want their, their mom, mm. <laughs> their dad. Mm. So like it's also hard to monitor. So like if I'm in the room or if I'm in the house, I know my child wants me. If she hears me or if she hears a noise, then she's like triggered and she's crying and she wants mommy. But if I'm not even here, it's like when you drop them off at school, when, when, mm. if you're not even there, they, they don't forget about you, but they're not crying for you the whole time. Mm. So it's a really hard one to monitor. I think just the, that consistent unhappiness is something to watch out for because, you know, you can have great times with, with a caregiver, and, but if they're always unhappy, maybe that's something you should be a little bit more, would look out for other signs, I'd say. Does the parents have a role in a bad attachment? Did, did you and, and Nicole, for instance, chat about that, you know, where, where parents kind of, you, you say that you can't always be there, you can't always monitor, but, it, it, you know, how would you navigate that? Well, part of it is like being confident with the drop-off. So, I mean, if you're going to um and ah and ooh and um, make like the handover transition period really long and challenging, it's going to be hard every single time. Like you've got to be confident, uh, drop your child off, like say mommy's going to see you later and or daddy's going to see you later and just confidently give them over to the caretaker. Like they pick up on your cues. So if you're, you are happy with the caretaker and confidently giving them over, they'll pick up on, oh, okay, mom's not worried, so why should I be worried? Mm. But if you are umming and eyeing and making it a drawn out process, which I mean, I must admit I used to do when I was first handing my my little one over, they pick up on your anxiety and they think, oh, okay, no, no, no. My parent seems really worried about this. This is probably not a good person for me to go to because mm. look how anxious mom is. And also uh, just making sure that you're that you do your transitions in a way that that foster the relationship with with the nanny and the child. I mean, you want them to have a good relationship. I'd also recommend for you to feel more confident to have hired someone who's got good references and it comes highly recommended. So you know from other parents who's always your best reference is word of mouth that, that, that this is a person that you can trust. And I mean, part of it's your gut, part of it's references, part of it's having a good relationship with the person. But if you are confident in that person, your child will pick up on that. And that's your role as a parent is to let your child feel safe with this new person. Mm. So this is a contentious issue, but what about sort of, you know, control? Obviously, we can ask for, okay, how many times, how many dirty nappies did the kid have in a day? What did they eat? Yeah, I'm interested. I'm interested to know what, what Noah ate. It, uh, even if it's just for logistics purposes, you know, if he had this for lunch, I'm going to give him something different for dinner. So just let me know. But there are parents out there, and I mean, on this podcast, we we do try not to judge, but I do need to bring up nanny cams here. You know yeah, what? That's a good one, Sam. Like creating a toxic work environment for your nanny is not going to build a good relationship with your nanny and your child for sure. So why would you say, I mean, is it something that the, the people that you interviewed touched on? Why would that be, you know, to play devil's advocate, yeah, why would nanny cams and monitoring in that way be fostering a toxic environment? So I think it's two edge. So like, when I interviewed nannies, I found that a lot of them found that the nanny cams were used in lieu of communication. So instead of the parents chatting with the nanny and saying, this is what we expect, this is what we want, um, and then asking them how the day was at the end of it, there's like this deep mistrust from day, like from the start. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, can you imagine being at work and having and your boss insist that you've got your webcam on all day so they can see how, if you're writing or if you're filling your deadlines? <laughs> I don't even like yes. to be clock watched. Just I have a job exactly. and I will do it and I need you to trust that I will do it. Exactly. Like I'm an adult, trust me to be an adult here. Mm. So it, just, it, it fosters immediately this mistrust, suspicion. Um, it fosters a very negative feeling from, I mean, from the nanny side. It, like the ones that I interviewed said that it was just really really difficult to work in that environment I mean like the child would be screaming they'd pick up a toy and the parent would say why did you pick up that toy you know they don't like that toy <laughs> you know it's it's, it's just unsustainable I've got to jump in here my four-year-old is controlling like that you know I've got Elijah <laughs> so when he gets home from school or at the moment he's on holiday and he tells the nanny auntie Dixie that's a chokeable Noah's not allowed that toy auntie Dixie Noah doesn't like this to eat. He likes, and I have to say, I have to pull him and be like, Elijah, firstly, (laughs) she's an adult. You need to respect her. Secondly, she's in charge here. Especially if I'm not in the room, you defer to her. Thirdly, she's the baby expert, yeah, not you. Like, hush him up. I need to pull him back. (laughs) So I, I can just imagine, you know, it's how toxic that environment is. I mean, I can see how annoying it is when my four-year-old does it. Okay. It's a, it's a joke. Cause it's, I mean, he's, he's a child, but I mean, if, uh, if you're sitting in this room and you just don't give over that trust, you know, I, I see it. I, Respect. I, I see it in Elijah's been to two different schools. I, I'd like to slot in this anecdote because I do think it would apply. And that's why I also bring up nanny cams here is Elijah's first school that he went to, so preschool, we're talking crash, was heavily monitored. If a, if, an, oh, yeah. if a parent had, if the child had a bump on his head, the parent would get sent footage of the moment that he bumped his head. And I was very impressed wow. with this when I was pregnant. I was like, wow, okay, well, I'll have eyes on my child always. You know, if something's happening, if something happens, then I can just ask them for the footage and, you know, that's great. But the... Trust that that fostered between the principal of the school and her employees was shocking. It wasn't a team. They weren't a team. It was very divisive and it was a toxic environment. He subsequently changed over to a different school, no cameras. And initially I was like, well, now I can't rely on that. If he hurts himself, how do I prove, you know, how do I know what what happened exactly to my child? What if he breaks something? I can't see how he broke it, you know. What if he, there was one instance where when he was about Maya's age now, he said that his teacher hit him. She, she really oh didn't, word. but they, t- they do tend to make up stories at that age, so be warned. She, he, he said that his teacher hit him and I, I couldn't prove that she didn't, but I did have to have the conversation. But the trust that it instilled and I see the teamwork in the school that he's at now, the camaraderie among the teachers and the trust that's been fostered there, it makes a huge difference. So, yeah, surveillance and cameras have their place in the world, but if it's in your home, if you mistrust the person so much that you need to have a camera on them, then you should be second-guessing why you hide them in the first place. That, I think, is the, the main thrust. I think that is a really, really good point. Like, I, I don't know how it's sustainable to have someone in your house looking after your kids all day if you fundamentally don't trust them and respect them as a person. I think respect is so important in this relationship as well. Like, they, like you really should be, re- like, have respect for the person that you're trusting with your children. And if you don't, like Sam said, 
maybe do a bit more investigation into why you don't have those feelings and how you can is this a you problem or is this a them problem? Because mm. sometimes if you find that you don't trust seven different nannies, maybe the problem is not with the nannies. <laughs> Schedule that shrink appointment, guys. Parents? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that said, you chatted to one father who had a trying experience with his first nanny and saw a better fit with someone else who subsequently started working with the family. So the reality is not everybody's going to be a great fit. We've spoken about this before. Sam, I want to slot in here so we can hear from Gavin Voltzkett-Prince, the Joburg-based dad, who had quite a unique experience. Hi, my name is Gavin Voltzkett-Prince. I'm from Johannesburg and I am a father of three children. My husband and I have always encouraged a strong relationship between the nanny that we hire and all of our children. But a few years ago, our nanny became very close to our little daughter. We became concerned that, I mean, she was just two or three years old and she started calling the nanny mommy. And while we realized that we are a same-sex couple, it was just... It just did not sound right. So we had a conversation with our nanny where we asked her to please encourage or help us encourage our daughter to not call her that. And she agreed and said, yeah, she doesn't know where it's coming from. And then it was about a few weeks or so later where my husband heard the nanny call herself mommy as she was speaking to our daughter. That was just sad and we felt that the nanny not only did she like not listen to us and not follow our our orders but that she that she overstepped she overstepped a boundary and so yeah so we then sat her down again and had another conversation with her and soon after that the relationship just went like downhill and she subsequently quit. So after that, we found an incredible nanny, one that is older and uh, very supportive of our daughter and our sons, and um, we're happy. Sure, the challenges of being a parent in today's world. I think part of the the tricky thing for Gavin was also navigating the the dynamic of um, being a gay couple. And then Annie trying to kind of insert herself inappropriately in the role as mom, which wasn't needed because the kids had two parents already. Gay and adoptive, because when you adopt a child, there's a whole whack of of um, obstacles that you, that you need to overcome. That's not your sort of heteronormative usual way of doing things. These are challenges that we don't acknowledge. And the nannies need to be respectful. You might not agree with what your employer says, but it is not up to you to say. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a, a weird situation. <laughs> no, super weird. And I mean, I feel like it's like, it's such a complex, like, like we discussed earlier, it's so hard when your kid starts to call a caregiver a parent name, like mom, you know. And I think in that context in particular, it was just very, very it felt very intrusive. Well, when it's encouraged, it that's, when it's encouraged from the adult, that's yeah. that's something different. I mean, my my baby's calling his dad Opa. It's weird. <laughs> he was <laughs> he was away for a few weeks. The attachment didn't um, let up at all. It was really sweet 
when my husband got back from the airport and they bonded again. But he's not saying dad, dada like he was. He's saying opa. The, the, the nonsense that goes on in kids' brains as they're developing, like we can't, we can't control. So if your your child calls your nanny mama, stands to reason. Do not encourage that from the nanny side. Reinforce that yeah. your name is something different. You know, you you already know it's a touchy subject for the parents, and and when it comes to a same sex adoptive couple, no, no, yeah. it's so weird. And I think this ho- look, I think the whole thing situation harks back to our first episode. Uh, so we're coming full circle here, uh, where we discussed hiring a nanny and being hired as a nanny. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is why these trial runs are so important to ensure that it's a good working relationship for everyone involved. And fundamentally, like, you've got to get on with each other, you know, apart mm. from the work stuff, like, you you need to actually like each other because it's a really intimate dynamic. Well, I mean, I would, it was described by the experts I interviewed as a triad, right, the parent-child nanny. Yeah. And it's just as important for the nanny and the parent to get on as it is for the nanny and the child to get on. And yeah, we need to really be adults about it because, you know, the whole saying, two's company, three's a crowd, that really does apply. But to just, just you know, take it from where it comes and ensure that you, you know, you bonded with your child and you've bonded with a nanny and then you're also stepping mm-hmm. back and allowing them to bond. So what, what would your advice be to nannies in this regard, you know, uh, if the fit is not quite right? It's always scary to say in a volatile financial economy, but if it's a toxic work environment, look for a new job. You know, there are lots of desperate parents looking for good, reliable help. And as a nanny, you are skilled. You, you've got a rare skill set that not everyone can do. So don't be afraid to look for new work. And um, I know this is easier said than done, but uh, rather, rather get out there early and then have this relationship explode in a bad way, mm. for sure. You know, my nanny that, that I've recently hired, so she's been with us for a few months, and she did just that. She was treated really badly. She was borderline abused. I mean, she was shouted at by her former oh, employer. Goodness. And she was just like, I'm out, guys. But th- let this be a warning, because we're going we're gonna to end off the series here, and we hope to come back with a bonus episode on upskilling your nanny, because this is important. And I want to leave it at this, where what Sam said in a message to nannies, any nanny listening now, is that when I interviewed uh, my nanny, she had qualifications. <laughs> she, did, she had done courses in childcare and sort of uh, home-based care for, for the elderly, CPR, and the, the stuff that we look for in, in nannies, that's kind of a unicorn where, where when you are hiring, you want a good fit and you want someone who's skilled in CPR and you want someone who's looked after children and kind of knows the basics. And she did not tell me when I, I was hiring that she was qualified in these things, that she had a oh. certificate. It was three months down the line. We were chatting the other day. She was in the car and she brought it up. She's like, oh, I went to a course here in this area. And I looked at her. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And it just dawned on me again. And it keeps happening that women and the nannies that I've seen who are skilled, you are skilled. This is something that not everybody can do. You don't back yourselves. You are professionals in this regard. And I would like for nannies to stand up and acknowledge the number of years they have at their back looking after children and getting qualified in various things. 
So we are going to be chatting about that at some point, Sambat, in terms of upskilling uh, your nanny, because there's a lot, it's a whole industry out there. Of, um, it really is, Sam. There's, there's so many competitive courses. There's so much you can be upskilled in, and it really depends on what you're able to do. I mean, CPR is, is always a great one, but I mean, we'll go into that into much more detail when we tackle the subject. Yes, and we will, but what we want is for everybody to catch up on all the episodes. And Sam, we want you to safely deliver those two babies you've got baking. Thank you. Thank you, I must say. <laughs> I'm feeling incredibly pregnant at the moment, and I'm very excited to meet the two little puppets that are busy taking up all my all my tummy space. <laughs> I mean, how many kilos have you got inside you right now? Each twin is currently 2.3 kilograms, so I've got about five kilograms of pure baby in me, mm-hmm. let alone all the other baggage that they bring with them. So it's 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 the last it's the last stretch now. I'm quite excited to meet them. Quite excited to sit down. This is what I'm doing all the time these days. <laughs> Sit down, put your feet up. You mentioned knitting, so please relax. Um, I think uh, I speak on behalf of Team TGE and all of our listeners wishing you all the best for this new venture. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Namaste. I am very relieved to have my little village at home with my incredible nanny who's going to be learning with me how to care for twins because neither of us has done this before. (laughs) So cheers. Let's give it up for Precious right now. (laughs) To your village, Sam, your nanny, and to you, um, all the best. Listeners, if you have any comments or queries on this episode on attachment uh, specifically, or you have a story of your own, please feel free to touch base with us at info at And if you liked this episode and found it useful for yourself or other parents, please feel free to rate and review us on your preferred listening platform. And remember to share to your social networks. Yes, so that is it for this first season of The Nanny Diaries. Keep an eye out for a bonus episode on upskilling your nannies. And uh, tune into the episodes. Please let us know what you think of the series. For more on today's show or for additional information on our expert guests, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch up with The Great Equalizer podcast on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. If you'd like to get in touch with Samantha Steele and the TGE gang, email us at info at and we'll get back to you.